0: Thanks for listening to the Vines podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is our third week in a series called Guardrails, where we're looking at the different ways in which we hope to create and foster a certain culture that we are as a community. And if you didn't hear the first two messages, I'd really encourage you to go back and, and listen to who we hope to be as a community We're looking at these guardrails. Guardrails are statements that keep us um, on the path that we believe God has for us. And so these are values. These are statements uh, of just the culture and community we hope to be. This week, we're stepping into trickier waters, though, as we talk about how we deal with conflict. How do we handle conflict with one another? And this week's guardrail is this, to keep short, direct accounts of grace. Again, as a community, we are going to keep short, direct accounts of grace. Oftentimes in our relationships, we hold accounts with one another. Whether we say those words or not, we keep accounts. We have right doings, wrong doings, who's outperforming each other in kindness and goodness. We keep like a ledger with one another. And oftentimes the ledger we keep is the wrongs that we of experience. We hold on to them. Quite often, they can lead towards bitterness and contention, not only in that one relationship, but within a community at large. And this guardrail is so important for the church. It's so important for us to figure out how are we going to deal with conflict with each other, especially in seasons of life like we just had. Is it just me, or was 2020 a crash course in conflict. Was it, did anyone else experience that? I visited with many of you. I know that you felt like you had more contention, more arguments, more difficulty last year, the last 12 months than you've had in many years before that. It wasn't not only found on your social media, it was waiting for you in the news cycle. Also, it was waiting for you in relationships with your family, friends, Even our church experienced a lot of conflicts. We had hard discussions around race, around our relationship with the LGBTQ community. Uh, We had a lot of difficult conversations about how we see and embrace Scripture with one another. Oh, yes. And it was also during an election year while we had a pandemic. And at some point, I think we were melting snow to use for toilet water, like this was a hard, hard year, and what I found is that many things were revealed in this last year. Issues that we, we had to deal with, that those were revealed, but I think also the other thing that was revealed for me was we seem so ill-prepared for challenging conversations with one another. It just... It just seems like we're not prepared as a church and as a people of what does it look like to know and to follow Jesus, to have the truth of God's word, and deal within diversity of thought and opinion with one another. We need a different way of resolving conflict. If you've ever studied animals, you will find that animals have like this innate response in this fight or flight experience. So when they experience something that is perceived as a threat, different animals have different innate responses to it. You know, a deer will dart away, a possum will play dead, a wild boar will will charge whatever is perceived as a threat. And the funny thing is, I think that we as people were not all that different. Many of us have just innate responses of what we do when we experience conflict and contention. Many of us will deflect it, avoid it at all costs. I remember being on a trip with some friends, and each time that this other couple would get into a small little tiff, I would just act like I had fallen asleep. You know, at the dinner table, just fall asleep when they get in the argument. Uh, we have different ways. We Some of us, we armor up. We get ammo. We get prepared for, okay, when is, it, when is it my turn to get my opinion on here? Some of us deflect it with humor or live in denial. I'm curious if you could even identify, how, how do you respond to conflict? What's your innate response? Well, I am a recovering people pleaser myself, so conflict has always been hard for me. I hate to disappoint people. And so I, in my therapy that I've made up for myself, I try to disappoint three people every single day. You know, and sometimes it happens before I leave the house in the morning. But what I've realized is my inability to handle conflict, oftentimes um, it holds back relationships to go to deeper, uh, deeper mutuality, respect, love, that there is, it's taken me a long time to realize that conflict is actually healthy. It can be healthy for us. Yes, it can be healthy. Conflict is not inherently bad. Now, I'm not talking about relationships of abuse or perpetual relationships of conflict. I'm talking about the conflict that is just a part of experiencing life with other people. It's just a natural byproduct of sharing life and and seeking to what's best uh, for one another and for ourselves. And what I have found, as you read scripture, what I have found over and over again is conflict is one of the primary ways that God forms us. It's through conflict. It's not through ease. It's not when things are going peacefully. It's actually when things get challenging. And we wrestle with what we believe. We, we wrestle as a community of like, all right, all right, let's put scripture in the middle of this conversation. What, how, do, how do we perceive the right way forward? I mean, Proverbs 27, 17 says it so perfectly. As iron sharpens iron, so does one person sharpen another. Now, we might all want to say, like, I want to grow, I want to develop, I want to strengthen myself as just an individual, but here it says, as iron sharpens iron. So how does iron get sharpened? Well, usually through heat and friction. That, for me, sounds like conflict, but it's in the midst of that, if we do it well, if it's in the midst of that, that God sharpens and strengthens us, not only individually, but us as a community. So I actually think that conflict is one of the signs when a it's one of the signs that we as a community have stepped into real relationship because I find that we can play church for a long time we can smile at each other get coffee with each other wear out pews with one another but when we step into significant relationship true friendship with one another we might find that conflict will come out when we actually share real life with one another Conflict will, will exist there. And what I believe is that many of us have a difficult time with conflict because we haven't seen many healthy models of how to do it well. Whether our family system that we grew up in or what we see in our culture in this day and age where either anything goes or we just cancel each other very quickly. Uh, we just don't have many models of what does it look like to actually be a part of a community of diversity while pursuing truth and goodness. So, in the void of models, we are going to hold up this guardrail that we as a community we're going to keep short, direct accounts of grace. So I know that, that statement's not necessarily obvious, so I want to break it down for us. What does it mean to keep short direct accounts of grace? Well, first we keep short accounts. Too often in my life, I have not kept short accounts with people. Something will happen and it'll bug me. And rather than keeping a short account, it will just linger. And I know I'm not alone. I know you people do this too, where rather than this person being the recipient of my frustration, my steering wheel is, I'm just talking by myself like a madman, or I'm washing the sinks, just getting ready for that conversation, or whatever it might be. I'm I'm just not actually keeping a short account. Uh, and uh and not only that but i just continue to avoid conflict and i avoid that person at all costs i i love comedian nate Bergazzi, anyone fan of him um, i love his take on it where uh, where he he talks about when he and his wife are in a, in a deep argument and they're just not talking to each other but the problem is they they don't live in a mansion you know like so they're going to see each other often and he's like i just love it when like we don't time out when we're walking through the same hallway together and they're kind of like oh excuse me, pardon me, like they're acting like they don't know each other. It's actually funny when when he says it. But I know that we all have done that, where we just have this ability to uh, to avoid actually keeping a short account. Now, there's wisdom in keeping short accounts, not letting division uh, linger for a long time. And actually find this word in a, Paul's letter to the church in a place called... Uh, Ephesus, he says this in this letter he wrote to them. He said, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood. Speak truthfully to each other. Maybe falsehood is denial. Falsehood is acting like everything is okay. And here Paul is saying, put off falsehood. Speak truthfully. Be honest with your neighbor. For And I, this is so key. For we are all members of one body. The the way that we will endure conflict, the way that we'll figure out how to do that well is when we actually believe that we belong to each other. When we can't just cut off each other, we can't just deny issues. When we actually belong to one another, like as if we were one body, when one part of the body hurts, when one part of the body is wounding other people, then we, we we let that part of the body know. We go to them. We keep short accounts. And then Paul says this, the very next verse, in your anger, do not sin. Don't let let anger fester in your heart. Don't let, uh, do not sin, nor let the sun go down while you're angry. Keep short accounts, take care of it, and do not give the devil a foothold. That right there, that progression that we see right there is how oftentimes things fall apart when it comes to contention and and, and, uh, and arguments. When we actually don't speak honestly with one another, we don't put out falsehood, we forget that we belong to each other, we, in our anger, we do sin, we perpetuate sin more and more, brokenness more and more, we let the sun go down while we're angry, and then the devil gets a foothold in our relationship. We know these words are true. This isn't just some ancient letter written thousands of years ago. This is my life and your life. Keep short accounts so that bitterness does not lead to more bitterness, hurt to more hurt, anger to more anger. And if we do not, the scripture says that there is this foothold of brokenness that will be created. And this can wreak havoc in our lives and our communities. So we must learn to keep short accounts. But this idea of keeping short accounts does not mean just being rash. It doesn't mean saying whatever you want to in, the, in that moment and go, well, the pastor said I could keep short accounts, right? It's crucially important that in our conflict that we actually do the hard work of pausing and actually thinking, doing the internal work of going, what's going on inside of me? Like, why, why am I angry? Like, letting our anger in our frustration, be our teacher. Like, why is this fueling something in me? In our scripture reading that uh, Louise read earlier, Jesus teaches us what we must do in keeping that short account. Jesus said this, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank? I love that. Just the imagery Jesus is doing, a plank in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, again, this is family. You belong to each other. How can you say to your brother or your sister, let me take that speck out of your eye while all the time there is a plank in your own eye? It's a vivid picture. Before, before we call out some, uh, something to someone else, before we keep that short account with someone else, we must consider, am I, am I not seeing a plank in my own eye? The thoughts, the motivations, the feelings that need to be sifted, that somehow we are so blind to. Oftentimes emotions can flare up and there's a plank in our own eye that we cannot perceive. Now I had a crash course around how to have conflict uh, in my life in this season that some people might call the first year of marriage. Uh, I began to realize that uh, some of the models that I've picked up in my life were not helpful for how to engage in argument, discussion, with my spouse. And oftentimes, what would happen is we would enter into a discussion. Discussion is a church word of saying argument. When, when, when Jen and I would have a discussion, somewhere along the way, I would be incited with anger, and I would say things that were incredibly hurtful, things that I didn't even mean, but it sure felt good to say. I, after seeing this repeat over and over again, I go, what is going on? Why am I having to continually ask for forgiveness for saying things I didn't mean? Uh, why, am I being so, um, why, why am I being so aggressively emotional in these moments? And I began to think of, what's causing it? Well, oftentimes, there is something that would incite a lot of anger in me. And it was when Jen, in our discussion, Jen would, I would feel cut off. I'd be in the middle of making my grandiose point. And Jim would share her opinion before I had concluded my thought. As if, like, you know, like, that, that's how people actually talk, right? And and I thought to myself, why, why is this so angering to me? And I began to think about my own life. So I, when I was a young kid, I had a severe stuttering problem. Really bad stuttering problem. Yet I had the same personality I have now. Um, and In group settings, oftentimes we're in discussions, it would take me a really long time to get my thoughts together and for me to actually be able to say them. And I hated when I finally got that train going for someone to cut me off because they probably didn't realize that I had been sitting on that thought for two, three minutes, hoping that there would be a long enough window where I could actually start talking. And I began to realize that, man, there is a landmine that Jen has no clue that she's stepping on. There's a plank in my life, an emotional plank, that I just need to admit to Jen. So I got to be able to say to Jen, hey, uh, this is why I feel like I'm getting so angry. Is I really, because of my own history, my own past, I hate being cut off. Could you just give me time and space to complete a thought? Uh, and she said, of course. And guys, we haven't had an argument ever since. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, well-timed laughter, by the way. Well-timed laughter. When we have done the hard work of considering the planks in our life, in our hearts, in our emotions, in our minds, we exhibit humility of going, all right, so let me pause before I keep this short account. Let me pause and just consider what's going on inside of me. This is so so difficult and so important because many of us have unresolved conflict in our life. And we need to be able to do that hard work of looking inward before we keep our short accounts. But this is our hope and our goal. This is not easy, by the way. Many of us have unresolved conflict that we would wish that could be resolved, and that other party is not wanting it to be resolved. That's okay. When we have done the hard work of looking inward, we've kept an open door for that conversation, that reconciliation take place. It feels like we have done our part. And we trust God into allowing that to happen in God's timing. But it's not enough for us to keep short accounts. We also need to keep direct accounts. This is one of the most destructive habits we have oftentimes in our relationships is that we keep indirect accounts in our conflict. We don't go straight to that person. Oftentimes it's very tempting to not go straight to them but triangulate, to go someone else. Maybe we find that agreeable friend who will just... Just, just be on our side with us, whatever we are thinking and feeling. Maybe we can find that person and share that frustration and double down on the angst that we have. But the problem there is that the conflict has just been multiplied and no reconciliation has taken place. We do this so often, and oftentimes, yes, we do it in the church. We just use Christian language to do so. Hey, can I tell you about a situation? I'm struggling with some anger. Or we might say, um, uh, I'm concerned about someone. Can I talk to you about them? Can I, can I tell you? Oh, hey, I actually have a prayer request. And we just use it as an opportunity just to bicker, just to uh, slander or gossip. And what's make, what makes it worse is we do it within this Christian veneer. A story goes that someone was caught gossiping and slandering someone else, and they were asked to go to the priest. The priest met with them, heard what happened, and the priest told him, I said, I actually have something for you to do to make things right. And the man said, okay. He said, okay, I want you to take a pillow and go to the top, follow me to the top of this tower. So they go up there and the priest said, okay, now rip open the pillow and lift it up here. And he did so and feathers went through all throughout the sky. And he said, okay, come back to me tomorrow. Met back up tomorrow, the next day. Uh, and the priest said to him, okay, now your next task is to go and gather up all of the feathers, The point was very clear that this man realized it was impossible for him to gather all the feathers as it spread. And so this point was made abundantly clear. When we gossip, when we slander, when we do not have direct accounts, it's impossible to gather the pain, the angst, the division to gather again. We must keep direct accounts with one another. Again, Jesus said these words, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, bravo, you've won them over. So that's Jesus's words. After you've done the hard work of looking in the mirror, then go to that person directly. That is Jesus's next step. The kind of church I know I want to be a part of is where conflicts, big and small, are taken up directly. I know for me, oftentimes I have been, uh, been tempted to be a part of a triangulation where someone comes to me to try to get me to be on their side in a certain conflict, without going to that other person first. And my go-to line that I've said is, "Man, that sounds hard. What was it like when you told this person about that? What was it like when you actually went to them directly?" In Matthew 18, Jesus' model says that we cannot go to other people until we have gone directly to the person whom has sinned against us, the person whom we have experienced this conflict, this wound. It's good for us to broaden the conversation, but that is not Jesus' first step. The first step is to go to that person directly, to keep short, direct accounts with one another. But lastly, and most importantly, we keep short, direct accounts Of grace. This guardrail ends with the word grace to remind us that Christ is with us in the midst of the messiness and the hardness of our lives and of relationships. The goal is always restoration, healing, grace. Not only restored relationships with one another, but also with God. When we are thinking about conflict. We rarely think about it with the word grace. But that's the bedrock about why, why we have this guardrail at all. It's quite an opposition of the individualistic culture where oftentimes we don't think it's any of our business when we see or know of someone else who is hurting or living in brokenness. But remember, the words that we found throughout all of these passages, we belong to each other. It is our business when we see each other hurting, when we see someone perpetuating brokenness. It matters. And oftentimes we try to misuse the scripture that was our scripture reading today. We use these words of Jesus. Hey, do not judge or you too will be judged, right? I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to judge other people. It's almost like a proof text that we can use one another. Who am I to judge, right? This is true. We are not the judge, But that's not the fullness of what Jesus was saying here. Jesus went on to say, for in the same way you judge, you will be judged. Okay, this is true. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and not pay attention to your plank in your own eye? But listen to this. First, take the plank out of your own eye. It doesn't end there. It doesn't say take care of yourself. It says, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. The reason why we do the hard work of looking inward in conflicts to see what part we need to own up to is that we can see clearly to extend grace to those who might have a speck in their own eyes. It's when we're humble and we're honest with ourselves, we are careful not to judge. But the goal is to help each other see more clearly. And I love the way that Jesus describes what it means to bring correction what it means to bring an honest conversation to someone else, it's like removing dust from an eye. How do you do that? Do you do that from like lobbying grenades over a wall? Do you remove dust in someone else's eye by just sending an angry text message or email? No, the only way you can remove a speck in someone's eye is to actually draw close, to get close enough and tender enough, gentle enough where you don't only point out what's been hurt, but you help them take it away. That, for me, sounds like restoration. That sounds like grace. Sometime back, I had a conversation with a friend. I became aware of a situation, as, and as soon as I heard about it, I just was like, dang it, this is gonna be a hard one. And so uh, the night before, I didn't sleep well, I was working out my mental script. I was praying a little bit. To be honest, I was really a little bit afraid of if this person actually pushed back and they could blow up in my face. And I also attempted just to sweep it under the rug. So the next day we met up for a meal, my friend and I. And uh, before the meal showed up, by the way, it's always a bad idea to have a hard conversation right before a meal. You know, like <laughs> you finally get to a place you're hungry and then all of a sudden, uh, we do oftentimes what I did, where right before the meal came, I said, there's something I need, I need to talk to you about. And um, it was like, it was a gut-wrenching conversation. Underneath the table, I had my palms opened. My friend couldn't see, but I had my palms open the whole time, just in this posture of like, God, I need you to show up here. And though we didn't eat much of our meal at all, and though there was this, honest, real push and pull in this conversation with one another. And even though I I saw a different picture at the end, um, something bizarre and beautiful happened. Not only did my friend own up to some of the things that he needed to own up to, not only did I see things more clearly, but at the end of it, we actually felt like we had a deeper friendship than we had ever had before. It felt as if our relationship went to a greater depth. And it wasn't, guys, I'm not saying like I I do this perfectly all the time, nor I did it perfectly then. But we came to each other humbly, listened to each other, and it felt like we belonged to each other, that we actually cared enough that that this matters to me. What's happening in your life matters to me. And my friend was humble enough to receive it. And as we were leaving, my friend literally said, Said, Mark, this is, this is what grace feels like, huh? It's so tempting to sweep things under the rug, and it's so tempting to cut people off in our life. But when we come together in mutual humility and love and honesty, there's this potential for grace to be released. Now, this does not happen every time. Can I get an amen? <laughs> They're like, it feels like a minority of times in my life where that happens. But I find when we don't do conflict well, it even more rarely happens. When I've seen people come to each other in humility and love with the reality that we belong to each other, Christ shows up in our midst. And I believe if we're gonna be serious about following Jesus, we have to learn a new way to follow Jesus into conflict, into hard conversations, into the mess of life, because quite often it's in the very messiness of life where the seeds of renewal and grace are found. And personally, I thank God that Christ loved me enough to step into the mess of my life. I am grateful to Christ that instead of trying to fix me from afar, that Jesus drew near, Jesus drew near to me to you, to bring us back from our failures, to remind us of who we are, to restore us into right relationships. That is why we do this, is because we have seen what our lives can be if we experience that type of transformation from Christ. So therefore, we're gonna follow Jesus in the same way. So Vine community, let us keep short, direct accounts, knowing that this is a faithful act of love and grace.